Radio Pulpit, 657 AM, your daily companion. It's Chloe. Don't worry about me on 657 AM Radio Pulpit, your daily companion. It's 1230. We are joined on the line by Pastor Tabang Mofuking. And we'll be talking to him in no time right here on the show. He will be sharing the word with us. Let's go this way. All right. I think we have him. Muruti, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Osimpo, and good afternoon to listeners of Hatu Hatu. How are you doing today? We're doing good, Ausiluna. Repeat, we cannot complain. What do you have for us today? Well, Ausi, I just want us to go back to um, an address I gave at some time, uh, several years back. Um, I think it's just befitting. We are at the beginning of the year. I know it's progressed. It's almost the end of the first month. But it's still very much, I think, we're still much in time to speak about working while it's still day, you know, when we have time. Absolutely. And whilst we have time, work. Do that oh. which you got to do. Because, of course, with passage of time, you get to a point where only regret if you have not seized the opportunities you were offered in time, oh. then what remains is regret. So that basically is what I, I want us to revisit, uh, considering where we are in the, in, the, in the year. And I am specifically looking at the book of Ecclesiastes, um, that book written by King Solomon, chapter 9. Two verses of importance there that I want to reflect on. And uh, verse 10, verse 5 and verse 10. Verse 5 says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Now, verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol, in the place of the dead, uh, to which you are going. Uh, specifically, verse 10, it's, it's jarring in the way it speaks, uh... because... You know, it, it's forthright to which you are going. It's so forthright. <laughs> it confronts us very early in the year uh, with the ultimate end, not mm. with the end of the year, not with the end of the day, not with the end of the week or the month or the year, with the very end of our lives. Sure. Of course, life may be said to be long from a particular perspective. Uh, it's taken one second at a time one hour at a time, one day at a time, one week, one month, one year at a time. That's how we chow this thing called life. We, we, we take pieces of it like that. So the writer here confronts us with that very ultimate end that there is this thing called death. And he says there is uh, the place of the dead, Sheol, and the grave. And he says, to which you are going. And, and of course, we know that is an unavoidability. It's something we can't avoid. It's something that doesn't care. There used to be a, a singer many, 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 many moons ago. Um, and and, and he, was, uh, he, he sang in Sotu and he would say, You know, and, and, and so basically, everyone is on a journey. And whether you are old, you are young, you are rich, you are poor, it really doesn't matter. You are on a journey. And, uh, and, and, and that is the issue of life. We are on a journey. We are 
on a mission as we live our lives, there is the termination of this journey. There is the end of this journey. Every one of us cannot avoid that. And whilst we are in that journey, then the advice and even instruction of Ecclesiastes, of Ecclesiastes is whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Uh. In other words, don't just do, but you know, you, your heart is not into the doing. Um, you are doing, but the do itself is quite mediocre because it doesn't have your fullest attention. And then, of course, you would have people that would not even do anything, right? They would just not do anything. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol. From one perspective, you would say, um, there will be time of rest, the kind of rest that you can't get out of once you get to it. So whilst you have this life, whilst you are alive, there is something that needs to be done. There is something that must be done. There are specific tasks associated with our individual journeys. And as far as that is concerned, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with everything you have, with all your might, with your might for remembering there's no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Shewal to which you are going. And then, of course, verse 5 again. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Uh, I'm going to come back to that specific one. Uh, the living know that they die. It is as we live our lives that we are forever faced with the prospects of our lives ending. And that itself is an element, I think, an factor that makes our lives precious. It is the awareness that we might lose it that makes that which we have precious. It makes it valuable to us. It is when we are not aware that we might lose whatever is there to be lost that we then become reckless, negligent, you know, uncaring because we we have, you know, it's like it's always here. There's a way in which then um, one adopts an attitude of taking for granted that which one has because it's always been there, it's always there, it looks like it shall always remain there. But once you have a view that what I have may be lost, can easily, you know, slip through my hands, then it becomes valuable. And it is in the realization of the value of that which one has, that then all that you can to safeguard right to safeguard that which you have because it has become important to you you are alive you see the importance of this thing now the writer uh king solomon the son of david and a few things we know about him that are, are good there are bad stuff too there's bad stuff too but he, he was one of he was the most successful of ancient kings of israel by the way um, the original temple builder. His father wanted to build a temple. God said, no, your hands are bloodied through the wars that you've had to fight. I do not allow you. you your heart is right, but otherwise your hand is not. So you do not build me a temple. Your son will. And David, because he really wanted to build the temple, then made sure that the task that is now moved away from himself to his son will be done by his son without much ado. So he provided what his son needs. So Solomon then built, carried forth the dream of his father, built the temple uh, in, in Jerusalem. And of course, we also 
get introduced to, to Samuel, uh, rather to Solomon as a man who undertook massive infrastructure built in Israel of, of those years, uh, building fortified cities and, and storeroom cities, uh, kind of store cities all over the, the, the land in that way. So there were, there were projects, there was, there was life, there was work, there was a lot of things, there were a lot of things going on in the day. And further, we are told in First Kings chapter 10, uh, verse 22, about how prosperous uh, his economy became. And he had interests in mining as far afield as Spain, as well as a, a, a land called Ophir, which is sometimes thought to have been maybe in the south of Saudi Arabia right now. Others even thinking it could have as well been in southern Africa. But the man had very wide interests in mining and bringing uh, and, and, and commerce and bringing in resources from wherever he could find them. So he ran a very prosperous economy, this king. He had a massive infrastructure built. He built a temple. He was the most successful. And he was also a cultural icon. The men collected 3,000 proverbs. And he he collected proverbs, by the way, and about 3,000 of them, as well as 1,500 songs, are said to have been written specifically by him. So, so, so it was quite, a, I think, an amazing time, cultural renaissance and all these other things. And we also remember him to have been that man who was blessed by God with wisdom, great, magnificent wisdom. Of course, the bad part of, of everything is simply that the man... Um, his heart was stolen. He followed the, 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 the gods of the many wives he had married. And uh, so his heart cooled down as far as God was concerned. Jehovah, the God of Israel, it cooled down because he, he had this other interest in appeasing his own wives and, and, and all that. So, so that is such that then, of course, he had a, a downfall. But nevertheless, here are the positive things. So as we read Ecclesiastes, we're reading one of the books that came out of his pen. A man of great wisdom, of great thought, a philosopher who thought hard about life and wrote particular Ecclesiastes, one of the, I think, most difficult books in, in, in the Bible, really. Um, it is also a very discouraging book, generally. The, the mood of the book is, is not positive. It's, it's, it's a sad book. It's a book of a person who has gone to the depth of things and realized how useless a lot of things are. And it's him to whom we ascribe the, the, the words vanity of vanities, le fela, lama fela, which, of course, that brings a, a lot of wisdom in it. When you realize that some of the things we care so much about are actually not worth our time, they are mm. not worth our effort. Um, but nevertheless, we care about some of these things because sometimes we have not sat down to think hard about stuff, about life. So we just go about caring for things that have no, we have no business caring about. So that is the man. And this is what he writes. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your mind, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Content with the fact of death at the end or if we want to simplify it, just let's say, contend with the end. Confront the end. See the end. Know that the end is coming and it's inevitable. It doesn't care what you wish. The end is there. So whilst mm. it's not the end yet, do what you got to do. 
apply yourself. In another language, we would say be industrious. Right? Be industrious. Be a person who is up and about doing stuff because the end is not yet and you know the end will come when there is no more time for anything else because, of course, the end has come. So uh, Solomon views, in, in, as we read here, Solomon views death as an inevitable destiny to Sheol, uh, a place to which you are going, and he further views uh, uh, death as a place of and a state of unconsciousness no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom he says and no reward in that state and of course his views agree very well with the expectation of no interaction between the living and the dead that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse, verse 11 as well as Isaiah uh, chapter 8 verse 19 um Israel lived and there were these teachings and, and, and instructions that were given to them to not be asking and consulting with people who claim, whether their claims be true or not, that's not the question, but people who claim to be a conduit, a channel of those that have gone to the other side, those that have passed on. And of course, it also further means that there has always been, even then and now, a desire sometimes for people to want to know what has happened, what in what condition are their are their beloved, you know, once they have passed on and stuff like that, and interest even in advice coming from beyond the grave. So, 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 but God had instructed Israel specifically against interaction with the dead, and 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 so. What Solomon writes in this, uh, uh, rather verses that I've just quoted, what he writes there is in line with this expectation that was part of the culture, part of the practice, to not have any interaction between the living and the dead. And it is for that that which, uh, during the days of King Saul, there was an attempt to eradicate any kind of divination uh, you remember the story of the witch of the witch of Endor, First uh, Samuel chapter twenty-eight. Of course, Samuel had just died. Saul was faced with a difficult situation. When Samuel was alive, he would go to him for advice. He would go for him to him to ask for the will of God to get clarity about the will of God about what to do. You know, to, you know, uh, going forward in the in face of danger. Now, Samuel was dead. Saul was uh, was alone. He felt, in a sense, exposed. And in that moment, he began to think, no, I, I have to go and search for somebody who can communicate and link me up with the dead Samuel, the dead prophet. So, so, so basically, in a sense, undoing that which earlier he had enacted, which was eradicate any divination, any attempt to conduct the contact the dead, any uh, attempt to have anything to do with those that have passed on. Of course, this is why then Isaiah writes, chapter 8, verse 19, and when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, you should, uh, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? The answer is quite uh, is an obvious one because the question is rhetoric. It doesn't want an answer. It's like, should the people who are living be asking the dead for the issues that pertain to those that are alive. And of course, he goes further, rather Isaiah, to say, 
God forbid that that should be the case because there is God alive in Israel that people need to, to, to align themselves and consult with instead of consulting those that are God to maintain that the dead are rested and remain in that situation that, that whatever they have they needed to do needed to have been done whilst alive because there is no comeback in that kind of a situation so so that, that that is the kind of a situation that we find ourselves in here and of course so going back to samuel samuel uh, was brought back and he gave word and it was not a helpful thing there are people today in today's south africa who have gone back to texts like that to justify why as a christian you can indeed again consult with the ancestral spirits and receive guidance and it's a it's a it's a, it's a sad situation when the holy spirit of god is being ignored or confused to the spirit of the dead mm. and and when when people uh, the charismatic gift the manifestation of spirit that you then see and when you are not glued in and connected to biblical script, uh, to, to to the Bible to to biblical spirituality, you see phenomena in front of you. You you are exposed to things happening, but you are not asking what powers what I am seeing. Oh, operating exactly this which I see. What powers it? Because the question has never been that uh, the ancestors can do this or the other spirits can do that or cannot. The question has always been, is it right to have them do what they are doing for us? Is it right for us to ask them to do what we see and what is claimed they are doing? And the Bible wants to reserve engagement with the spirit to the spirit of God and only the Spirit of God. In fact, I would dare say, it does not even allow that we we seek that angels be sent. The Bible would not allow that we seek that the angel be sent because, hmm. because there's a way in which there's a, there's a trespass in us telling God who to send for whatever purpose. Because who are we to be telling God what to do? Oh, oh, what have... exactly. Right. Don't we have needs? Hasn't God said that we can and should come to him, present our needs, call unto me, for I will answer. And not dictate to him how and when he answers. Such that, therefore, we cannot even begin to dictate that this time we do not want the answer to be brought by the Holy Spirit in whatever way. We want specifically that he sends angels <laughs> to come our way. But, of course, this is part of what we do these days, you know. Oh. Uh, we we caught up in stuff, right? We, we just caught up in a lot of stuff. Work while it's still day says life is precious and the time we have is important, is valuable. We are on a mission. We have to redeem the time that we, we have, make much of the time that we have, not postpone anything that can be done today, so that, of course, as time goes, we are not hard-pressed, right, or stressed. There is a particular form of stress that comes with having delayed, procrastinated, you know, postponed things, which still are going to have to be done. 
will be done eventually. They must be done. And, and so when you postpone them, when you do not seize the, the day, when you do not seize the time in which you can do these things effectively without pressure, you are adding towards the end of time for these things to be done. And I think the advice that I want to give from this, uh, from a reading of this nature is simply this. For those who are, who are, who are scholars, those who are, who are uh, in school at any level, and who are able to uh, work independently to a certain degree um, and, and not just dependent on the teacher teaching every time. It is not time at the beginning of the year to loaf around. It is time to pour your best, to do your best, so that towards the end of the year, you are not under pressure of any kind because, of course, we know it's delivery time, that time. It's the time for testing and an important test, of course, testing what we've been doing with time that was allowed us and the mission of being students that we were part of throughout the year. When we, at the beginning of the year, begin to be people who value our time so much and say we will work while it's still day, meaning basically I am not going to be that person who procrastinates. I'm not going to create excuses, but I'm also not going to allow anybody to boss me into a situation of potential uh, distress later on. I'm going to love me, love myself enough to create a space of doing what must be done now, even if it may be some kind of perceived inconvenience to other people because maybe I'm not going out with them as much as they want me to because I am a person who is much more conscious of redeeming the time you know i am here this is the time i i have to use i'm going to use it and for those who think they have time well let them go ahead with their thinking let me not put myself into a situation where i then become a victim of other people's thinking i'm going to apply myself because i perceive it is still day now and therefore, the time allows for me to do one, two, and three. There is a, there is a, a situation in the Gospels. Jesus Christ um, receives a word that uh, uh, the powers that be, the, the political leaders, heralds and stuff, uh, are not happy with what he's doing. And the answer is amazing that he gives. He says, no, 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 no. Go tell that fox. Today, tomorrow, and the other day, I am busy doing this. He's not under pressure of any kind. He knows he has time and he's in his time. And so he says, it doesn't matter whoever wants to do whatever. I am in my time. And it, it, because I'm in my time, I'm doing one, two, and three. And when I am done with this, then the next issue will see to itself. But right now, this is what I'm doing. So redeeming the time, I working while it's still day, applying ourselves, knowing that the end, is inevitable. The end comes. And when the end comes, it is better that we are found to have done what needed to be done and that therefore we can rest, whether it is in the ultimate sense or it's in periodic situation of projects and, and our lives in the year, in the month and whatever. You can then rest easy knowing that when there was the time to do one, two, three, you actually took the time to do one, two, three, and you did it, apply it yourself, and then you can rest, not worry, because you know you use the time very well. So the encouragement is basically that we use the time that we have wisely. We invest ourselves in the time that we have. I was thinking this morning how uh, sometimes 
there is an, there is this way of thinking about time where we think time makes the difference uh, in our lives, but it doesn't really make the difference. It is what we bring into it. And and I was thinking how therefore time is like a canvas uh, upon which we you know we lay out our own dreams and and then begin to work uh, them out into reality. So we have time when we have time when it's time. Let's do what that which we can do and do it to the best of our ability, leaving the rest to God, of course, so that when the inevitable comes, which is the end comes, we have done. Because there is no point in regretting, there is no point in worrying about something that had its time come and go, go at the same time. So relaxing like that is important. In the bigger scheme of things, it is living every day like we know it's our last, because I oh. suspect it may make such a huge difference. Oh. Living each day like we know it's our last, because of course, not knowing that it's our last uh, means any day potentially is our last, right? I was about to say that. Because <laughs> <laughs> every day is potentially your last. It's potentially your last. Hey. You know, we're always very surprised. <laughs> I was with that person. You know, I can't believe this. I leave wow. each day like it's your last because <laughs> it might as well be, right? <laughs> so do... That which we can do <laughs> whilst you still have time to do. Love whilst you can. <laughs> right? Oh. Forgive whilst you can. Right? Do all these things whilst you can. Hey! Whilst you can. <laughs> because there will come a moment and a time when all that is of no consequence anymore. Right? And oh. all that people are left with is a memory of you. Now, is it a torturous torturous memory, a memory that people wish to forget and may actually forget? Or is it a blessed memory, a glorious memory, a memory that brings a smile? And that is not even just about death, which is the ultimate. It's about everything. I say to the youth at church, I say, you know, you are young ones. Soon you will pass through the stage. I wish that you could you could do your you can you could live your young lives that when you are no longer young you look back and say in our day we did it. You know? mm, amen. <laughs> you say we did it in our day. We shook what needed to be shaken. We did what needed to be done. We are past that stage and we are grateful to have been young with God. The same way when you are where you are, you say this is the time and I'm going to be the best I can be, do the best I can do in this time. Because, you know, with more time, maybe things are breaking apart. Maybe you're losing the, the, the abilities that you actually used to have, you know, and sure. all the other things. So <laughs> whilst it's still day, oh, but from the <laughs> man. Sure, thank you so much, Muruti. Really, really appreciate it. Um, we appreciate it. Kakulunje, um, Ullerado says a word in season, absolutely brilliant. I needed uh, to hear this today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, we really appreciate it. How do we get a hold of you on social media or any other platform? My Twitter handle, Ausimpo, is at tabangrm. And my email address, trmofugeng at gmail.com. Lovely. Thank you, Maruti.
Do you need prayer? WhatsApp your name and your prayer request to 082-657-2729 and our care center will gladly contact you to pray for you. Do you read the Word for Today daily devotionals? We wish to ensure that your copy reaches you on time. You can now receive the booklet directly at an address of your choice or via email if you prefer. It's easy. Visit radiopulpit.co.za, select your choice and update your details. Or SMS the word DEVOTIONAL to 37871. You will receive a reply SMS with the options. Alternatively, contact client services on 012-334-1257. Standard rate supply. You and 657 AM and Life, a winning team on the road to eternity.